Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. And welcome back to the show. We had interviewed a week or two ago a journalist who wrote a book called The 21 about 21 young people from around the country who have made two specific lawsuits, one in Oregon that is in a federal court that is alleging that the U.S. Constitution in our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, that's actually the, de- the Declaration of Amendment, uh, the Declaration of Independence. But in our uh, due process um, Fifth Amendment, that we have the right to a clean planet. And then in Montana, which has a specific state constitution talking about the environment, uh, these uh, 21 people in a related lawsuit, but in a state court, actually survived a motion to dismiss with a lower judge ruling. Of course, it's on appeal that, in fact, the students had a right to a state that used less fossil fuels and created a cleaner planet for the future. Joining us now are two people who I would guess would feel very akin to those particular lawsuits. They are making their own voices heard right here in Connecticut. Nell Srinath of UConn, who is a contributor for the Daily Campus, as well as Adam Open, who is head of outreach for an organization called Fossil Fossil Fuel Free UConn are demanding that UConn, as a big institution, divest itself from fossil fuels. Nell and Adam, welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show today. Hello. Hello. Happy to be here. How are you? I'm good. Hi. Are you there, Adam, as well? Yep. Thank you for having us on. Sure. Adam, if you could take me off speaker, I'd appreciate it. It sounds like a little bit of an echo. So I could be oh, wrong. No but problem. That's what it sounds it's better. Like. Thank you. Yes, it is better. Okay. So now let me ask you first, I understand you're a student, you're a journalist, and you've got something to say. Uh, what is it that you are trying to have UConn do? And I'm talking about as a practical, pragmatic matter in order to divest itself from using oil and gas to keep your dorm rooms running and the cafeteria with a kitchen on. What do you want UConn to do? So that's a great question and one that we try to make digestible to the student body every day. And I think we've succeeded in doing that by distilling this really complicated issue into three core demands. Um, They're alliterative, thankfully. They all start with a D, and that's decarbonize, divest, and disclose. 
decarbonization primarily comes from cutting off our reliance on something called the central utility plant, which houses a natural gas um, generation facility called the cogen plant. Um, and that powers about 90% of our fossil fuel needs and generates millions of tons of CO2 every year, creating a very intense systematic carbon footprint on Yukon. On the other hand, we have a sort of energy uh, dependence with Eversource, as most Connecticut residents do, because that's kind of our, our regional monopoly on, on power and utilities. But our main uh, demand, number one, um, comes with phasing off of those fossil fuels and connecting to a grid that is more based on renewables, whether they are uh, hydroelectric, wind turbines, uh, solar, or um, even hydrogen, although that, uh, that does have some complications that we may talk about later. Um, demand number two comes from divestment. Uh, basically, we have a $600 million endowment, massive sum of money that goes into scholarships, redeveloping academic buildings, supporting our faculty and staff, and a significant portion of that, about $9 million, is in, uh, directly invested in the fossil fuel industry um, with an additional sum of money indirectly invested in the fossil fuel industry. So insurance companies, banks, and other firms that uh, finance or insure um, oil and gas companies. Our second demand uh, it, uh, basically asks to pull back that sum of money, so we're not fiscally dependent on um, the you know growth and success of the fossil fuel industry as a university to to power our campus and and support our community members. Our third demand involves disclosure. So Yukon has a huge transparency problem, whether it comes from the process of raising tuition and fees to how our you know dining service workers are paid to you know what student issues are on campus you know like what is the the bias reporting process huge transparency issues across the board and that is the same for you know fossil fuels um, mainly we want uh, a full disclosed plan of how we're going to transition um, you know, to carbon neutrality, so emitting as much as we're offsetting by 2030, and then carbon zero by 2040. Um, the president of the university, Radenka Merch, has offered a uh, sustainability action plan to be released as early as spring 2023, but we haven't seen it yet, and we're not under any impression that it has even started to be undertaken at this point. Um, so really what's key is that we have that plan uh, you know, as a tangible product so that the Board of Trustees, the Corporate Authority of UConn, can agree to finance it, which is really key. The second prong to the issue of uh, divestiture, of, um, sorry, disclosure, is disclosing what grants the university accepts from organizations like, um, you know, the BP Charitable Foundations, the Shell, the Shell Charitable Foundations, fossil fuel companies that are basically trying to wash their hands of their historic contributions to this existential threat of climate change through philanthropy. So those are pretty, I guess, heady, well, those I would are say. Huge. Those are huge. So now let me ask you something. How old are you or what stage are you at in your UConn career? Are you a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior? Where are you? I'm a senior, so I've been at this for a while. You've been at this for a while, and this is your last year at UConn. One of the things I saw in the article at the Connecticut Mirror published, which I thought was really I understood this, which is that from your point of view as students and you and Adam, I guess, um, I guess you feel like this is something that the administration, if they don't want to agree with this, which we'll get into in a minute, 
they can sort of slough off and say, well, they're going to be gone eventually, right? So they can look at you as a, a very temporary stakeholder. Is that part of the problem? Absolutely. Um, I think one of the biggest threats to student activism and the potential wins that we can make is the revolving door of graduation. And there is a lot of insurance for university officials, for the board of trustee to just kind of wait us out, uh, smoke us out, if you will, um, and just say, okay, there's going to be a new slate of less educated, less uh, institutionally um, inculcated or inoculated students that we can you know, placate at our will. Um, what we're trying to do is create generational memory, institutional memory to hand down to the people that come after us. Um, so that is a, a huge priority for us at this moment. All right. Now I'm going to, I want to continue with you, Adam. I know you're there. I'm going to talk to you in a minute, but uh, now the central utility plant that, you know, actually creates 90% of the power and the electricity that runs everything that lets it hum. You talked about going to a different grid, does that grid exist right now, Nell? It does not exist at this point. Um, okay. But the so wait, is- so wait, so wait, so let's stop. Hold on. So let's just stop. So your demand on Yukon is to transfer all of its power to a grid that doesn't exist. So, so since you know that we're all rational beings, what would you have Yukon do? What are they supposed to do? Do you want them to... Uh, spend some money to insist that the governor make a grid? What what do you want them to do with the reality that they have to keep the lights on? So the key for us is the idea of a gradual transition away from fossil fuels, right? It's not going to happen in, you know, one day. It's not going to happen in a week. It probably can't even happen in a year. And we're deeply cognizant of that, which is why, to an extent, we do work with things like the Yukon Office of Sustainability, the Director of Sustainability at Yukon, and we've even interfaced with the university president, and we're all, we all share the understanding that this isn't going to happen in one day, which is why the release of a sustainability action plan, uh, which is the culmination of the university's you know, knowledge about how we transition away and how we implement new technologies and how we uh, use existing technologies to meet our energy needs. That plan is is really key, but that doesn't even exist yet. However, as students, that's not something we have the the key to access or to mm. or to even publish. Um, so I guess that would be, be response number one to that. But from if I could wax philosophical for a moment, the University of Connecticut and the state of Connecticut as a whole has a massive industrial base that we're mostly using for you know. Weapons of war, you know, uh, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, these are huge sources of um, revenue for the state. They're, uh, you know, we funnel students into them every year. There's a huge issue there when we're facing this existential crisis of climate change, which will involve a lot of, you know, industrial action, the creation of sustainable infrastructure. But we're currently chained to, you know, the philosophy of economic growth, the, uh, you know, revenue for weapons contractors. That is being untapped here, and neither uh, the state nor the university want to want to acknowledge that. So key in our critique is this idea that we're not really tapping into our full potential, and that's why we're in you know continuous talks with the administration to try to find common ground on this issue. Okay, uh, Adam, Adam, open. You're head of an organization called Fossil Fuel Free Yukon. How many people are members of this organization? Yeah, so Fossil Fuel Free Yukon is something I got involved in last year, um, and it's a very interesting organization because it's actually a coalition of other student organizations. 
So we have 20 to 30 members who show up on a, on a regular basis to our meetings. Um, we have a leadership team of about seven to eight core students who um, are really involved and who devote a significant amount of time to organizing things like outreach or planning specific actions or doing media, uh, digital media or physical art build. Um, yeah, so we have a decently sized team, which is made even stronger by the fact that since we're, we have different organizations and coalition, it's really a force multiplier. And if you had your way, Adam Open, and listening to what Nell said about the fact that as much as we may want to make a, a swift right turn and create a planet that doesn't emit so many fossil fuels, what would be the first step, the first step that you would have Yukon do tomorrow toward reaching more sustainability? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The first one. The first step I would have towards um, towards reaching sustainability would be um, it would probably be I mean, if they by some chance have the sustainability action plan lying around somewhere releasing, that would be a great thing. But assuming that they don't have a sustainability action plan at the moment, I would I would suggest heavily that the, that the board of trustees um, sign something saying that uh, asking the Yukon Foundation, um, which controls uh, most of Yukon's um, investments and oversees that to divest from fossil fuel companies. I so think that's you don't want, so you don't, okay. So you don't want any money, even if it's, let's say a 20% dividend, I'm making it up. You don't want any money that is in the hands of Yukon to, so basically you, you feel that that's a socially unwise investment and you don't want Yukon money having anything to do with it. Is that right? Yeah, not just is it a socially unwise investment. It's something that goes against the stated goals of the university. The university, as an institution, like has in its in its values um, to pro, uh, to promote and protect the in, uh, the economic well being of its students as well as the natural environment and natural resources of its students. And investing in fossil fuel companies is just incompatible with that. I mean, I, we're both from Connecticut, I assume, um, so you know that like. There's smog coming in from the wildfires in Canada. Um, there's increased yeah. severity in natural disasters. Mm-hmm. If you have a Yukon campus in Stanford and you're worried about protecting the natural environment and the students, how are you going to invest in a company that puts the, that student body directly in danger? Yeah. 
Okay. So that's one of the things that you could think that they could do tomorrow. And you have made these demands, fossil fuel-free Yukon. And what is the response that you get from the administration? I'll begin with you first, Nell. You're the student journalist here. Let's talk about the divestment a little bit, because I agree that that's probably, Adam is right, something that you know, with the stroke of a pen and a, and a memo, you could just invest in something else. Are they willing to do this? And if they're not, what do they say? We're not getting the sense that the Yukon Foundation, which again uh, manages the university's you know, half billion dollar endowment, uh, we're not getting the sense that they are willing to move on this at all at this juncture. Um, the board of trustees, the administration have both uh, sort of butt heads with the Yukon Foundation about this issue and expressed a lot of skepticism about the transparency of the foundation, the amount of access that students and the administration and other key stakeholders in, in our endowment, you know, uh, the, the look that we have into this process. Um, there's also a lot of administrative turnover at the at the Yukon Foundation. Um, in the past few years, they've gone from President, I think, Jake Lemon to an interim president, now to another interim president, uh, Jonathan Greenblatt. And throughout that process, we've been kind of stymied and blockaded from, you know, the inner workings of the Yukon Foundation. There is one student uh, student representative, but there, you know, it's a it's an internally democratic system. So, what happens when a student representative represents the will of the students? There's a lot of room for their, them to be, uh, you know, voted over. But at this point, you know, we've received no uh, positive signals. You know, much less signals at all that the foundation has any interest in divesting from these these really harmful industries. You know, it's um, it it's very difficult to put a litmus test on a lot of companies, right? I mean, I mean, it, it, we, we call these companies the boogeyman, and I'm the first one on this show all the time to insist that UI and Eversource um, be very transparent and clear about what they're doing and how they're doing it. And we've got Marissa Gillette, the chair of Pura, who comes on our show exclusively once a month, and she has become known as a tremendous advocate for the public with respect to a lot of this, which has gotten her some criticism on the other end. Um, I, I will tell you that um, it's not so easy. You know, guys, you're fighting something that is just, we are so entrenched. We are so dependent on oil and gas and coal. Did you see the article this week in the New York Times about the extraordinary amount of natural water that is becoming our most precious resource drying up around the planet that is being used to frack increasingly uh, wells that can't even produce the amount of oil that they used to. Have you been following all of that, guys? Nell and Adam, have you been following what's going on with the fracking industry and all the water that's being wasted? I haven't seen that article specifically, but the effects on our water levels around the world are, are definitely um, pronounced. Uh, you know, decreased water levels in, in the Amazon rainforest are, are killing endangered flora and fauna by, by the hundreds, which when you're endangered is a significant portion of, of your you know wildlife. So it certainly is a threat to, to biodiversity. I think what is important to mention is our chairman of the Board of Trustees, Dan Toscano, is a, more, is a managing director for 
Morgan Stanley, which has over $10 billion invested in uh, the liquefied natural gas, which is which is almost exclusively fracked industry um, as of as of 2022. So I guess that's that's my piece. Listen, yeah. now, if I you, guess I'll, yeah, go ahead, Adam. Oh, yep. I guess I'll add to that, too, that fracking is particularly uh, pernicious just because, you know, in Connecticut, we've had we've had droughts over the past few years. And so if you're taking what and across the country as well. So if you're taking water out of the ground um, and you're using it to, you know, harm the climate by producing natural gas and, and oil through fracking, like that's clearly something that's that's not in our best interest. You know, and by the way, Connecticut banned fracking a number of years ago, which was relatively easy for it to do since they didn't actually have a fracking industry in Connecticut. But it's one of the few states that actually, as a statute, banned the use of fracking within Connecticut. But I I would like to just ask you guys, first of all, I'll just tell you personally, I admire your idealism and I admire your passion. And it's people like you that hopefully, hopefully will take us to a better world 50 years from now. And you're going to live to see it in a world that many of us my age probably will not. But, and, I, and, I, and I, I share a tremendous amount of collective guilt with a tremendous amount of people of my own age who feel really terrible uh, about the world that we've handed you and so many of the decisions that were made along the way. The decisions, however, were made, and I want you to recognize this. I didn't make them personally. But the decisions were made not merely for greed. Obviously, that's one of the reasons. The other reason was because people wanted to increase their standard of living. And I know that you're going to hear this because I know that you know this is true, that in both India and in China, they are burning coal at rates that, that exponentially exceeded that of the United States when it was doing so much coal. I mean, they can't get enough coal and burn it fast enough. And that's because power and reliable energy are essential to upgrading a standard of living for people. And everybody wants a higher standard of living. Everybody on the planet. If you, I'll begin with you now, if you could tell us in an educated way, what is, in your opinion, the best, most practical, pragmatic, with least amount of side effects energy source right now, what is it? That's tough. Um, you know, it some scientists tough. say it's it, it. Some scientists say it's nuclear, nuclear, but you know that has its own its own um, problems. You know, socially risks. and and geographically it has its own risks. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Some say that it's solar. Some say that it's um, you know hydroelectric. These all come with externalities of their own, right? Lithium mm-hmm. mined from Mexico and Bolivia and China, other precious minerals, um, you know, extracted from. Con, you know, conflict areas around the world, there, there really is no one right answer because there is no one resource that we should be depending on. In fact, Correct. I would say that singular dependency on one commodity is, you know, whether it be uh, monocultures or fossil fuels is what brings societies to ruin. And, you know, we've seen that through, um, you know, colonialism throughout the past couple centuries. And uh, we've seen it through the, the fossil fuel industry being our our sole dependency. So I think we need, really need to, I guess, to use finance terms. We got to di- diversify our portfolio and make sure um, we have a, a very diverse and robust array of, uh, re- you know, I guess as renewable as we can get them resources to, to power our society. But we should also be able to, to look inward and see 
you know, what are our energy needs really going for, you know, going towards? And, you know, in my mind, it's things like our huge military capacity that is, you know, gobbling up resources, gobbling up, you know, socially necessary monies and, um, you know, really putting us backwards in the fight for for renewability or I guess sustainability. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, that's not something easy to answer. This isn't an easy and, and, and simple yeah. fight. No, it isn't. I mean, I'm very glad to have both of you on. We're going to have to wrap this up. Well, I'm happy to have you on again. But, you know, I when and I understand why you say divest, divest, but in having a deeper conversation with you, it's really about substantially reducing, right? Because there's an acknowledgement. We are going to live in a diversified energy source. Um, and I, I so I'm, I'm glad to have this deeper conversation with both of you. Nels Renath and Adam Open, thank you for the work that you're doing. We'll be paying attention to your activism. You can see the article recently in the Connecticut Mirror, UConn Students Demand University Divest from Fossil Fuels. The organization at UConn is called Fossil Fuel Free UConn. I thank you both for um, adding your voices to trying to make the world a cleaner and better place. Thank you. Thank you. Good one. Thanks for having us on. Pleasure. We're going to be right back with more of the Lisa Wexler Show. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com.